Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, Think Kingdom elder Nate and Justin Lasseter sit down and teach us how to read and understand the Bible. Let's see what God's Word has for us from Elder Nate and Justin Lasseter. Last time we did this with Gary, and uh, it's, it went well enough that Antoine was willing to let us risk it again. <laughs> so we're going to kind of be informal. We, we have sort of an outline, but, but um, and because Justin is more organized than myself or Gary, we do have some verses on the screen this time. So, and instead of two middle-aged guys with questionable fashion sense, we have someone who is younger, cooler, and better looking than both myself or Gary. So, <laughs> so we're just going to have fun. And right, now he um, feels weird. So. <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's, uh, let's uh, pray before we get into this. Um, thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. And thank you for this opportunity for us to learn more about your word and about the beautiful revelations that you've given us through it, Lord. We are grateful that we live in a time and a place where we are able to freely access your word and share it with all those around us. So we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, we've been going through uh, spiritual rhythms, which is the current sermon topic. Um, Dad has went through uh, rest and prayer, resting. Um, rest is biblical, taking time to sleep and all that good stuff and um, prayer, which is communication with God. And today we're going to be focused on, focusing on uh, Bible reading, which is how to read your Bible um, as a believer. So um, we have a bunch of verses that we want to show you concerning the Bible. So um, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Um, so faith that comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. And you also have 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses uh, 16 to 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So um, first main point is we want to go through an overview of the Bible. So Nate, what is the Bible exactly? 66 books, but let me back up one thing real quick. Um, going back to 2 Timothy. The reason that's really important is because a lot of times it is really easy to look at stuff that's clearly applicable. You know, maybe, maybe even like sometimes people like tend to read just Paul. Or, you know, and they're like, well, that makes sense to me. We get back into Old Testament stuff and you're like, well, how does that apply? You know, all of that is useful. Those genealogies are useful. Um, they have a purpose. They have a point, and 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 so you don't want to skip that. But um, so the Bible, as we call it, is sixty-six books. Okay, there's thirty-nine in what we call the Old Testament, and and um, the rest, what thirty-nine, sixty-six, twenty-seven. <laughs> Sorry, in the New Testament, I should know that. So, but but um, why is it not? 263 books. So like if you go and you start looking at all these things that people say, well, these are ancient writings, the lost gospel of so-and-so, you can add them up and you get into like, you know, the 250s up towards 300. So why is the Bible not bigger? And, and that's a fair question because some of them, some of those books, you know, they've got, 
you read them and they sound compelling. It's kind of like, like in Job, you read some of the uh, responses of Job's friends, and if you don't wait to see what God says, you're listening to them and you're like, that makes sense. <laughs> They're wise, and then God's like, no, that's wrong. Um, that gets into what's called textual criticism, and I don't want to go too far into that yeah. today because it gets into the weeds. Now, if some of you want to go down, go down that road, we'd be happy to sit down and do that in a smaller group. But bottom line, there are a lot of really smart people who spent a lot of time arguing and fighting and discussing over what is scripture. And there were really valid reasons why we have what we have. And if you go back and start looking at what we have for original texts, there is, and I'm not exaggerating, there is no other book in the world that has as much evidence for what it is. Now, whether or not you agree with what it says is a different discussion, but what it says, there is no other book in history that is even close. We have thousands of documents that match or have like tiny individual things it, wrong. It, it is the most... It, uh, of all the ancient works, it has the most manuscripts, it has the most um, copies and all that stuff. There are tens of thousands of Greek, Latin copies of the New Testament and Hebrew copies of the Old Testament. So we have receipts, pretty much, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> we have receipts. That's why he's cooler. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and we've got other old books that nobody questions, and you've got like one and a half copies, you know. You, you've got, you know, the Odyssey, Homer's Odyssey, like there's hardly any of it. Nobody questions, is that what was actually written? <laughs> so that said, without going all the way into that, you, you can trust that what your Bible says is what was written. Okay, so you, you will have to determine whether or not you are going to accept what Scripture says. It's a different discussion. But what it says even if you don't like it, really isn't up for debate. It, it, no matter what your background or what your, your beliefs, it says what it says and it's accurate. So, And um, God promised this, that his word would remain forever. You have Isaiah mm -hmm. chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. Yes. Luke chapter 21, verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, Jesus' words, will never pass away. So in the Old and New Testament, you have God literally saying that no matter what happens, if there is even one copy of the Bible left, his word is never going to pass away because it's powerful than what we can do to destroy it or manipulate it or whatever. And that's the beauty of our God, right? Okay, so what's next? Well, we're going to get into the genres of the Bible. So what's a genre? A genre is basically, <laughs> oh man, I'm not prepared for this. I just got out of school, so I didn't think I'd have to do this again. Uh, a genre is basically a type, uh, gets to the subject of a type of book. So, you know, there are biographies, sci-fi, romance, that stuff we have in the secular world, right? And in the Bible, there are also genres. You have poetic, you have narratives, you have historical, and you have the awesome one, the apocalyptic books. So those are the, type of type of, the different type of genres that the Bible has, and that's important to know because that can help you, um, help you read and better understand a particular book.
So for example, Revelation, you know, that big scary one we don't really like to talk about because there's so many different views on it. That's an apocalyptic book. That's talking about the end of the world, Christ coming back, what's going to happen, all that good stuff. So when you read it in that context of, oh, this is talking about what's going to happen in the future, you get a better understanding of it. And sometimes there's overlap, just like in any other writing. You've got like, you know, sci-fi thrillers or historical fiction or like romance zombie novels. So it's like, like sometimes there's like overlap. So it's not like this is only this, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so why does that matter? I mean, so if I'm reading Genesis and I decide that I prefer to look at it as poetic instead of historical, why does that matter? That's a good question. Well, the reason why that's important is because when we start um, giving our own interpretations on the scripture, um, that can cause a lot of different problems for us. Because when you interpret a Bible passage, even a Bible chapter one way, in a certain way, um, you can begin to basically just interpret that, the Bible however you see it. But the problem with that is, you know, um, scripture defends scripture. So we have different areas in the Bible where we can see that this book is supposed to be historical or this book is supposed to tell us something else, that sort of thing. So sometimes it's not always best to... There's, there's a difference between having a slight opinion on something. For example, like, um, like I mentioned Revelation. Like there may be people who have like slight disagreements on like the exact dating of Christ coming back or if the thousand years is... I'm getting too deep in it. Um, <laughs> but the point is, you know, there's a difference between having a slight disagreement with another believer on a certain passage and just completely interpreting as, oh, it's completely metaphorical, even though other parts of scripture will tell you that the writers believed that they were writing history, which they were. So, And some of those disagreements may not even be slight, but they may not be important. Right, so like, no. you know, is Jesus coming back before or after the rapture? Well, okay, it's a big difference. But, but not necessarily important to the gospel. Now, right. who Jesus is, you disagree about that, we, we're going to have major problems. <laughs> you know, so, so how, do we, you know, how do we know what we're reading? How do we know what part, you know, what, what kind of genre we're reading when we're reading it? That's another good question. So we have a word of the day for you guys. You ready for it? Context. <laughs> that's, the, that's the word of the day. Um, this word, um, if you're like me and if you like, like apologetics and all that good stuff, this word is, no, is like number one for you to like know. Because like um, Nate talked about the Old Testament, like, you know, we don't live in ancient Israel, you know, you know, we don't live in a mostly agrarian society. So there's going to be a lot of things in the Torah and other parts that are going to be confusing and even shocking to us because it's going to be like, why did God command them to do that? Or why did this guy do this to that other guy? That doesn't make any sense to me, right? And, and I will say, speaking about agrarian societies, that when God compares you to a sheep, it is not a compliment. Oh, yeah. I've raised sheep, and they are horrible creatures. So, <laughs> sorry, that is a rabbit trail. Don't know where that came from. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you're talking about how to read the Bible, it's also important to discuss briefly why. Because, you know, if you know how, but you don't know why or you don't care, yeah. it doesn't really matter. And just in a very broad sense, 
you know, when scripture will give you a, a, a biblical view of the world. So when you look at what's happening, you start talking about Democrats versus Republicans versus what's going on in Ukraine and Russia versus COVID versus not COVID or whatever. A lot of those things, a lot of times, a lot of times people are looking at those things and they are filtering those things through their own experiences, their own background, their own bent. I mean, if you take me apart from God, I'm like probably a hardcore libertarian. Don't give me any rules. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> you know, that's not entirely biblical. A biblical worldview will allow you to separate things that are people's opinions versus this is what God said. And the things that are your opinions, they, they become less important because our goal is to pursue the kingdom of God and become more like Christ, mm -hmm. not to necessarily become a utopia, which we are never going to accomplish, or to save more money, which is dangerous for your soul because money makes a really bad God. Um, it also gives you a biblical view of yourself. You know, you, you hear what other people say about you. You might say what you say about you. Scripture will temper that. Now, I, I forget the passage, the, the reference, but it says to, Paul said to think of yourself soberly. Well, to do that, you, you have to know what, what the gauge is. So on the one hand, if you do that through Scripture, you will realize you are worse than you think you are. Yep. But... You will also realize that if you're in Christ, you're a child of God and you are exactly. better off yep. than you think you are. Amen. And, and whatever that is doesn't matter. Um, it'll give you a biblical view of other people. You know, it, again, it's really easy to, for it to become us versus them, other people. But scripture says that our war is not against flesh and blood. Exactly. Yep. Those people, as bad as they are, they're not your enemy and they're not your problem, okay? They are people made in the image of God and they're valuable because they're made in the image of God. Yeah. That's, so when Christ stood out over the crowd, and this is, this is Jesus who didn't sin, didn't do anything wrong, was abused, who left perfection to come to a broken, fallen world that is marred by sin, and you'll get that from Genesis if you're reading it, Okay? And when he looks out across the crowd, instead of saying, I, I can't believe how bad they are, even though they were, what is wrong with them, which he knew, he looked on them with compassion. That is how we're supposed to look at other people, even people who are our enemies. Yep. Okay? And it'll give you a way to also filter what you're hearing. Just because Nate said it doesn't make it true. If Justin said it, it might be. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you listen to a sermon, when you listen to music, when you listen to music, it's teaching you something, it's preaching something, and there's a lot of really good songs, and there's a lot of really bad songs, so I have a hard time listening to Kate, I should be careful here, I'm going to get, this is my first, I, ref, I, I will deny having said this, <laughs> I listen to K-Love, and sometimes it's a little bit too much, Jesus is my boyfriend, and I can't, I can't listen to it, so... <laughs> Okay, so but, I'm sorry. Rabbit but trail. But yeah, like, um, like <laughs> you said, like, the biblical worldview that it will change your whole outlook on everything. Because the things that you saw with your opinions is like being this huge divide and like, oh, they're, they're never going to be free. 
when you, when you put your eyes on the Bible and when you look through the world through the glasses of the Bible, terrible metaphor, um, everything changes for you because now you're seeing it through God. You're seeing it with God's lens. So like you said, like the people that you politically may have hard disagreements with and see as like unforgivable, they're your brothers and sisters and they need to be saved and you're supposed to help them come to the light. So, um, back to cultural differences. Yep. It's difficult as an American living in America to have a biblical worldview. <laughs> that reminds me of a, a very hilarious story, well, hilarious to me, that dad told me. He was talking with this other pastor, and um, I guess they were talking about America and the Bible or whatever. And dad was saying, when Jesus says, go out and make disciples in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth, America's the ends of the earth. <laughs> and the pastor was like, what? But yeah, like, that's the cultural lens. You know, Jesus, when he's saying this, yes, he's talking about converting all followers. He's in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. So I like this. I don't really know where I, I, I saw it on a, somewhere. I really like it. Um, this quote right here, uh, the Bible wasn't written to us, but for us. So all of, like, for example, the, the epistles of Paul, you know, Paul is writing these to churches that are having certain problems. You know, if you read them, you're going to see the problems that the churches were having um, that are still here today. Um, and yeah, those are letters to churches, but they still can apply to us because there's theology, there's wisdom, and there's God in that. It's, it's divinely inspired. So you're saying I can't take that verse from the Old Testament and just say that that's for me? Unfortunately, no, you can't really do that. <laughs> but I really like that verse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, I mean, there's, there's plenty of examples. Um, like, uh, there's one in Jeremiah that some people like to use. I think it's like chapter 29, verse 11. And I always see like a counter meme that's like, this isn't about you. <laughs> and there's truth in that, you know? I mean, like, before... Wait, wait. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens oh, me. That, that, that's the one, right? That's the one. But I still struck out. What happened? Yeah, because See, of, all you got to do for that is just read the verse before. Yeah, because in context, um, <laughs> he was talking about being able to suffer well. <laughs> yeah. Not about, not about, not about laying yeah. in a basket. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can suffer well. I mean, Paul said, like, I can, he's like, I've had a lot. I can, I can, I've had no problems, and I've had lots of problems, and through all of it, Christ first. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, But we only like that last part. Don't put it on your sneakers. Good. It's yeah. not going to help you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, the Bible geographically isn't centered in 21st century America. It is centered in a completely different culture um, and group of people who God was working with. Um, so a lot of these laws and commands that you'll see in the Old Testament, for example, um, those do seem strange to us. And, it, and there's, no hair, there's no blasphemy in saying, I find that law weird. Like, there are laws that, you know, there's laws about certain animals that we don't really see, you know? And there's not a problem with admitting that it sounds strange, but it's there for a reason. Um, if you listen to my previous sermon, <laughs> I said that, <laughs> shameless plug-in, uh, the law available on the kingdom's <laughs> website. No. The law was meant to condemn us, you know, to show that we're not righteous and we're in our sins. 
So when you, when, when that lens, when you read those laws, you're saying, oh, I know what these laws are for now. And they, they, yes, they're for the Israelites, but that sentiment of you're not righteous, you need to come before God and repent, that also applies to me as a believer in Christ. So in other words, you need Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So, and uh, uh, I don't know who wrote this note here, but don't get your theology from social media. Yeah, I wrote that, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wanted to make this note. I, I'm, because, you know, I... Um, I follow this YouTube channel, and he's a Christian apologetics thing, and half of his videos are just responding to the craziest stuff on TikTok. Um, just crazy, just people just reading the Bible, I guess, on drugs or something, and just saying the most crazy stuff ever. And it's funny to laugh at, but the scary part is, like, people are taking this in, and they're believing these things about our God and Jesus and our Savior. Uh, those are all the same thing, sorry. Um, <laughs> And it's wrong. That's why we have to step up in our knowledge, in our um, understanding of the Bible. Because if someone at work or someone even here has a question that, you know, you, you can't really answer. And I'm not saying you're supposed to be like a, a Bible whiz and all that stuff. But I'm just saying you should have enough knowledge and insight into the scripture to give them a proper response. Or direct them to someone who knows that sort of thing. Like Nate. <laughs> Okay, so, so uh, our next point was, was just talking about the first quarter of, of our scripture reading. Because the, the, the theme of the first quarter is to read scripture. And we are reading scripture chronologically as a group. If you haven't joined, it's not too late to catch up. What does up. that mean, Nate, to read it yeah, chronologically? Okay, chronologically. So, you've got your 66 books, right? And they're, they're placed however they're placed. And so... But that, that placement isn't necessarily how it happened in history. Yep. So you've got, you've got overlap. You, you have like things happening in Kings and Chronicles and stuff, and then some of those people are writing Psalms. Yeah, for and example, so, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, go ahead. For example um, in the Tanakh, the, the Jewish, how they organize it, they actually have Chronicles at the end of their, of their book, of their Bible. So Chronicle, I mean, if you read Chronicles, it's basically a summary from Adam all throughout his history. So that's kind of, like he said, that's what we mean by reading chrono chronologically. So what will happen is, is and there's, there's a few, some of you have been on slightly different versions uh, as, of the chron chronological Bible. Don't worry about that. So some of us were in Job, and some of us, Job hadn't come up yet. Don't worry about that. It'll, it'll all kind of even out, because there are some minor disagreements about actual dates of certain things that weren't necessarily listed. But the idea is reading it in the order that it happened in history. So when you're, when you're reading about David hiding in a cave, you're then also reading the psalm that he wrote at that time. And when you're reading, you know, when you're reading some things in Acts, you might be reading some of the, you know, writings of, of uh, Paul during that same time. So you kind of get to see a, an overview of history context, there, that right? way. Yeah, context, it, it helps with context, it does. Now, that doesn't mean that the way it's presented is bad. It's just this is a fun and helpful way to read through it. So if you haven't started that, we do. Now, translations. We're reading Bibles, and we've had a lot of people be like, is it okay to read this translation? What about that translation? My friend told me this was the only Bible I should read. As long as it's My not other the friend message. told me that I should not read that one, and it needs to be burned. So. <laughs> as long as it's not the message. 
Oh, oh, we didn't okay. talk about this. <laughs> um, but uh, like you said, like it's it's not it's it's another one of those preferences things. Like the way that they're translated is based on, you know, is it word for word? Do we translate literally what the Hebrew word or Greek word said, or is it more on the uh, actual like me deeper meaning behind it? So that's why some um, of Paul's letters, um, that Greek word, some they translate it as just brothers, and some translate it as brothers and sisters. Because that's, that's either literal or the actual broader meaning of the word. So it's, it's more of a preference thing. I personally read the CSB. So, yeah, so without going, I'm going to try and do this without going too deep. <laughs> but when you translate, there, there, and this isn't true of just for Bibles, this is true of anything. Like if I'm trying to, to speak Japanese, um, there's not always a word for every word in your language. So I remember the first time I was in Japan, it was in 2001, and I was, some guy was translating for me, and I was saying something. I'd say like one word, and he'd go off for like three paragraphs, and I'm just like, what are you talking about? And then I'd do like this whole big thing, and he'd be like, one word. And he's like, oh no, we have this word in Japanese that covers all of that. <laughs> and that's true for every language when you translate, and so you have to make decisions. Easy. Some of those decisions are hard, and some of those decisions are going to change. So, by way of example, this morning, um, someone asked Bruce for his phone number. And Bruce said, BR549. And, <laughs> okay, see, some people are laughing. Some people are too young and don't know what that means. <laughs> so there's context. Anyone... I don't know, over 35 has a shot at being, that's funny. Anyone under 35 is probably like, I asked for your phone number. <laughs> and then I said, Bruce, he's too young to know what that means. And he said, it comes from Star Wars, right? <laughs> now, all the people who thought it was funny think it's even funnier. <laughs> and everyone who is too young thinks that I've wasted three minutes. <laughs> so, so Con so, so some of those translation decisions could change. That's why some older translations may be more difficult for you to understand because language changes. We have, you know, bad. Bad might mean evil. Bad might mean awesome, depending on who you are. You know, um, and, and this might be a controversial one, but this actually came up in a discussion with a translation. Gay. Well, gay used to mean happy. It means something different now. So if you're reading your Bible translation and you're not thinking of that, you might come to a wrong conclusion. So, because those are very different meanings. Um, when scripture is translated, there are two predominant theories, and this is way oversimplified, but you have people who are trying to be as literal as possible. But if you were truly literal, it would be gibberish. You have people who are trying to do what's called dynamic equivalent. They're trying to make it say what it means as much as possible. And there's a sliding scale. The closer you get to dynamic equivalent, on the far end of that is going to be the message, which Justin does not like, apparently. And the danger in that is the closer you get to that end, the more of your own personal views are going to be in it because it has to be. The closer you get to the other end, the, f the less likely you are to be skewed by your own personal views, but sometimes it's less clear. And so 
That's not a right or wrong. That's not good or evil. That's just the reality of translation. Now, in some cultures, you don't get a choice. You don't have a Bible, you, or you've got one version. We've got dozens. So if you're reading it and it doesn't make sense, you can ask someone. You could also read other versions. And, and you've got, you are incredibly blessed. I, I feel comfortable in saying, if it's a major version available in English, if it's not, if it's some, if it's not something you've never heard of, you're probably not going to go way crazy off field. If you, if you are looking for something easy to read, I will personally recommend the NLT. That's the New, New Living Translation. It's pretty far on the dynamic equivalent side, but, but I feel like it's, it's pretty accurate. So I'll go out on a limb and say, if you want to read the message, read the NLT. <laughs> yeah, and, and, like, and, like, and like Nate said, um, that point is really special. You know, we, we live in a time period where you can read different versions and you can even have tools. You can listen to it in your car. You can read it if you want. You, you, you can do all these different things with it now. And that's really special because, I mean, when the Bible was being written, when um, Jesus' followers had it, you know, at, well, before they wrote, began to write the Gospels, all they had was the Old Testament. And then you have the Gospel and you have Paul's letters, and the church was persecuted through that. So that's why they ha we have all these manuscripts, because they had to keep writing it down and share it with as much people as possible, because they didn't have this organized New Testament library somewhere in ancient Greece or Palestine or something like that, where you could just, you know, withdraw a copy of, no, they didn't have that. But we have that now. We have various ways to read the Bible. So there's, ne so, um, there's never a chance to miss that, you know. Let me just put it this way. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't stress over which version you have. If it's not working for you, pick a different one. It's okay. You know, don't worry about it. It's more important that you are in God's word. Exactly. And yeah. less important that you are reading the ESV or the HCSB or the NLT or the KJV or the NKJV or whatever. That's less important. Read scripture and don't worry about the translation. You know, you, you, you happen to live in a blessed time and in a blessed, and in a blessed place. So take advantage of it. Um, now... And we are about out of our allotted time. But this quarter, the first quarter of reading, we're going to be, it's, it's Genesis, Job, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So there's a lot of history in those books. They are primarily history. There's, there's the, some of the law in there. Um, there's also a lot of boring genealogies. You're going to read them, you're going to be like, do I really, really? Yeah. And, you know, there's also... Um, there's going to be some stuff in there that's kind of barbaric. You could not make a movie. <laughs> you could not make a movie with this content. Um, it would be pretty bad. Uh, and there's going, to be a, there's going to be rules. You aren't going to like some of the rules. And some of them don't apply to you because you're not under the law. But, but uh, some of them kind of still do apply because just because they were in the law doesn't mean that they, you, can, you, know, you still can't kill people. <laughs> you still can't rob. <laughs> you still can't do that kind of stuff. Um, but some of those things are going to be hard to read. Yeah. You know, there's going to be places in there, and you're going to read stuff, and you're going to be like, I don't like this. You're, you're, going to, you're going to read places where God tells the Israelites, with this society, you need to wipe out everybody, men, women, and children. You're going to be like, that sounds evil. Yeah. 
you know, and, and on the face of it, it kind of does. Like everybody, even women and children. And yet, if you've been reading, you'll see in Genesis where the earth got so bad that every single person's thought was always evil all the time. That was the nature of the earth. We've even had one, uh, an incident a couple weeks ago in the United States where a six-year-old brought a gun to school and shot his teacher on purpose. They said it was not an accident. The depravity of people is such that we are capable of doing evil things, which is why we need a savior. Um, so some of those things will be hard, but they're all valuable. It, it, it shows us why the good news, the gospel, is actually good news. If we're basically good people, if we, are, if we are basically capable of pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, and if we are capable of changing ourselves and making ourselves into better people, we don't actually need the gospel, and we don't actually need Jesus. But that's not reality. So, so when you're doing that, I'm going to close here with um, Psalm uh, a few verses in Psalm 77. Um, and it goes back to why we need to read scripture. And I don't know if they had time to get those verses because it was a last minute edition. Um, let me pull it up here. Um, so starting in, oh, it yep. is up there. All right. So will the Lord reject forever and never again show favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? So I say, I am grieved that the right hand of the Most High has changed. Now I'm going to stop there for just a second. That was written by Asaph. He was the musician. And all of us, we live in a broken, fallen world. I've been there in verse 10 at times. Some of you are there right now. Some of you will be there. Nobody escapes that, okay? We live in a broken, fallen world. And you're like, well, that's kind of depressing. How does that apply to reading scripture? Okay, because Asaph's response to this is, I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. And it is paused, so I will catch up. But I've got a different version here. So um, They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty work. So his answer to that was to dwell on what God has done in the past. Now, for us, that also, what God has done is all through Scripture. Okay, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And after that, verse 13, so this is the same guy who was clearly depressed, <laughs> okay? He says, oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeem your people. Okay, so life is hard. The world is hard. One of the ways to deal with that is literally to read your Bible because it will show you who God is and what God has done for you. And it will give you context for your suffering. 
Why are you suffering? It's not just a random meaningless thing. And you can have joy in the Lord. In fact, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentle, self-control. Anyways, you can have joy. Reading scripture can be a huge part of that. It probably will be a huge part of that because without the context of the Bible, the world is just depressing. (laughs) You know, so anyways, any last words? I've rambled enough. (laughs) Yeah, um, those verses speak, man. Like, like you said, like, and when you read, like we're in, we're in Genesis and the Torah and all that. And when you read the fathers of Israel, of Abraham, of Isaac, and the, the terrible things they did, you know, they weren't perfect. And the, the hardships they had to go through, you know, God was still there, you know, and he's, he's still with us, you know, he hasn't left us. And we have the gift that is Jesus Christ. All you have to do is read your Bible, you know, that. And it's not, and if you need help, you know, if there are elders here, there are people who can help you out, you know, so you don't have to do it alone. You know, we, we can work, we can go through script, we can dive deep into scripture together and all of us can understand, you know, what God is trying to say through this. And that's, that's the beauty. You know, that, that what make that's, that's what makes the Bible so special. It's divinely inspired. That means that God's handprint is on it. That concludes this week's message. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel like to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.